working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my guest is drummer Kyle Wilkerson. In 2010, Kyle moved to Nashville, Tennessee from North Carolina. Even though Kyle is relatively new to Music City, he has been busy building upon an already impressive resume since he first arrived. Kyle, for the last few years, has been the touring drummer for the duo Maddie and Tay. And in addition to recording and performing as a drummer, Kyle also composes and scores for film and video. To find out more about this podcast and all the other episodes that we've done, you can go to workingdrummer.net. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, leave a rating and review. This really helps this podcast grow. If you like what we're doing here at Working Drummer Podcast and you want to help sustain this ongoing project that Mike and Zach and I have been doing for over two and a half years, there's a way that you can help. And there are many progressive rewards for those of you who can help. I'm talking about free Skype lessons from pro drummers like Ben Caesar and Carter McLean, a free Working Drummer t-shirt, access to bonus content, shout outs, Twitter follows, and even a personal feature on you within an episode. And we have that coming up at the end of this episode. Check out all the details at patreon.com slash working drummer. Donations start out at a dollar per month. So check that out. Patreon.com slash working drummer. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash working drummer. You can also find the uh, donate button on our website. So let's get to it. Here is Kyle Wilkerson. So like of course in Nashville, you know, like the summer months, you know, pretty much from April until probably the end of September is kind of, you know, like the heavy touring season, heavy festival season and stuff for us. But um, for the group I'm playing with right now, uh, Maddie and Tay, they're um, uh, two 22 year old girls um, sing great. Like they're like complete sisters to me. They're absolutely amazing. Um, this year has been kind of weird for us in terms of um, they were with uh, like a record company called Dot Records, which was on Big Machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, like at that time, I think Big Machine had Dodd was the fifth uh, imprint. So there was five other labels uh, with, uh, so just under Big Machine. Oh, interesting. As well. So Big Machine is the label that, was that the label that Taylor Swift? Yes. So so Taylor Swift, uh, I think she was the first big artist off that thing. And uh, Scott Borchetta uh-huh. is kind of like the CEO and dude who owns it. So if you've seen like American Idol the past couple seasons, or I guess the last season, it stopped i think i'm not quite sure i'm (laughs) I'm not either i think those tv shows are kind of suspect anyway right Um, right. i just watch it for the live band watching namor and the boys and then yeah yeah i think like teddy campbell was playing on american idol at one point i thought he was absolutely amazing anyway sure sure i get sidetracked i'm add half the time Um, (laughs) so so uh i guess this is public record anyway because i think there was a bunch of press releases on this too so i don't mind talking about it sure so it's like so dot records there was five labels uh, like within Big Machine, Dodd Records was the fifth, and Maddie and Tay were the first artists that got brought on to that about three years ago. And this is the duo that had a, a, a big splash song, a Girl in a Country song? Yes. Yeah, I remember reading about it like in Entertainment Weekly and like in all these 
you know, they were making some noise and some news in other places outside the country world and outside Nashville for sure. So maybe that's recognizable for people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it was like the one song uh, that was kind of uh, like a missed. Um, just like under the whole, you know, quote unquote, bro country mm-hmm. trend that was happening about, you know, what, four or five years ago. Yeah. And then, you know, like these two girls come along and they were just like, yeah, like we really don't like the way that women are portrayed in all these mm-hmm. bro country songs just about tailgating and, sure. you know, just slide up into my truck and just you're supposed to be wearing a bikini all the time, you know, partying and all mm-hmm. this stuff. So, mm-hmm. so of course, like they wrote this song. And um, once they wrote it, you know, like they got signed to Dot Records, which was kind of like the relaunch of that whole thing. Okay. So, like they've been on Dot Records for about, what, the past two and a half years at this point. And then, for some reason, Big Machine decided to restructure uh, their... um, uh, Just like all their imprints and stuff. So, Dot Records actually went away. Okay. uh, What, uh, this past... February or March, I'm really not quite sure. Okay. Um, but once that went away, they actually signed with Universal Music. So like Universal Nashville, like that is their record label right now. Um, and the reason why things have been kind of slow with us this year is because since that transition to Universal, you know, I think they're working on uh, just new music now. Like I think they just kind of want to revamp the whole, you know, like Maddie and Tay package, I guess, and okay. kind of, you know, see what they've been working on, like, especially in the songwriting realm, because, you know, like they are songwriters first, which is absolutely amazing to work for two girls that, you know, very much care about the craft about songwriting and take it probably more seriously than anything else, which is absolutely amazing, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just in terms of being on the road, since that whole um, transition has happened, you know, like they haven't had a single out this year. So in the in, so pretty much in the country world, you know, the, well, like you can kind of hang on, you know, being booked for live shows, you know, probably like a year or two, like after your last single gets released. But just in terms of um, them wanting to kind of like slow down a little bit, you know, you know like kind of get their eggs in their basket with the new label going in to record new music, mm-hmm. you know, like we haven't been on the road as much this year, okay, you know, which I'm personally not complaining about because pretty much ever since this year started the past two and a half years I've been with them, which I've been with them since the beginning, since their absolute first song came out, a girl in the country song. Like I did radio tour with them, okay, which I'm sure is is something we can dive into because most people are just like radio tour. What's that? Well, yeah. And as a drummer, I mean, you know, right. Which is crazy. Yeah. uh, yeah, Let's, let's, we'll get to that for sure. I want to talk about that. So, so pretty much like the past two and a half years, uh, since that first song went to number one, it's like literally been nonstop to where I pretty much haven't really been home except for probably like one month in the winter and stuff. So it's pretty much like, you know, the whole typical Nashville weekend warrior thing. And plus I do all the promo and stuff with them too. So it's, you know, I'm like every single acoustic gig, full band gig, if we're doing some corporate thing, whatever else, like I'm with them, you know, playing with them, which is great. Yeah. But so it's sincere. So since this year has been really slow for us, I'm really not complaining because I've actually get to be home. I, I get to work, mm-hmm. you know, trying to do more studio stuff, you know, trying to, you know, play more in-town showcases. And plus, you know, like more important to me, like I get actually get to spend time with my wife, which is yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. so so with not having a single out kind of revamping, you know, and retooling with the new label, you know, we haven't been on the road as much, but like we're about to actually get really cranked up here for the last part of summer right, and stuff. Right. But, you know, like it is what it is. And well, and I think the, the takeaway from all that is, is like when we were talking, when you first got here was that, y- you know, we're kind of at the mercy 
of yeah. what the artist is doing and what the position what position the artist is in with their label or whoever's managing them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's unpredictable. I mean, that's an overstatement. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but you have to be prepared. Now, I think you're in a position where, okay, it's time for a break. Totally, yeah. And, and you've only been married for a couple of years, so it's you it you got to invest. Right. And in that. and like I think like everybody else is in the same boat as well, just like in terms of like our camp and and you know, like the girls especially because I mean like they've just been like busting it for the past, you know, two and a half, yeah, three years. Sounds like it. And like it's actually like very nice to just kind of step back, take a break, like like maybe just do a one off every weekend, which is kind of like what we've been doing. Yeah. And like maybe like one or two gigs like a weekend for the past, you know, like couple months. And like maybe, you know, like two or three weeks off at a time, like which is great. You know. But I mean, like, I really do think that that is very important as well to actually kind of take a step back, mm-hmm. especially if you're on a gig to where you're playing the same music over and over and over again yeah. every single night, like it's actually nice to take a step back for a couple of weeks or maybe a month, come back and actually be refreshed and energized, mm-hmm. you know, playing all this stuff mm-hmm. toward like it feels new again. And like, you're not slamming, you know, three or four gigs in a row. Mm-hmm like, you know, during the summertime and it's like, okay, cool. Well, let's try to get through this one, you know? Right. Right. I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm repeating myself on this, but, uh, one of my old bosses, we were talking about learning a bunch of new songs. All of us were standing around when I worked at Columbus pro percussion and talking mm-hmm. about all the new songs we had to learn. And, and, uh, and then, uh, our boss who's an incredible drummer. He goes, guys, learning new material is, is easy playing the same material over and over and making it fresh that's what's difficult you oh know? totally yeah and conveying that energy to the audience you oh, know? oh right and well like well like well like, especially for me and i'm sure like all drummers alike if you kind of tour constantly you know like doing four or five shows a week yeah you know like there's some people that enjoy you playing the same thing every single night yeah but but at the same time like it's also nice to well just once again take that step back maybe come back with a new approach to a song or like a different fill going into this pre-chorus or blah 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 Mm -hmm. because you know because i mean um like there's actually a song that we do live that well like about like two weeks ago i think like maddie turned around i mean like i was just dicking off during a sound check like i did some poor hack job of some gospel chop fill that you know i can't i can't play it well i mean you know like i probably like play the notes but you know it just doesn't feel right, like, right. you know right no, you know I'm, whatever i'm right there with you man. you know so it's like and well then you're like maddie kind of turns around and she's like oh what was that and i was just kind of messing around and like i looked at our band leader our bass player and i was just like oh man oh man sorry about that <laughs> you know yeah, but she yeah. was like oh no that was great you know like you should do that live and you know and like every time i do it live during the show now like during that one part of the song it's kind of like my measure to do something and she turns around and like and you know like we've been playing the song like ever since the gig started too yeah so like yeah. so like every time that she hears that she, you know she's actually gets more energized like oh it's something new in the song you know yeah 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 that's not like completely you know like out of the norm to where like it just throws everybody off or mm-hmm. it doesn't make a lick of musical sense yeah. you know but just like the small things that you can do here and there um you know, like if you've been doing the same thing over and over and over again if you take a step back have a couple weeks off you can throw in something new that will like will actually like re-energize yeah, people yeah. to be like oh i love playing the song again you know it's great and you know it it, it kind of that kind of reminds me of of 
of these things that you, you we talk a lot about seeing people on YouTube and and the the 15 seconds or the 60 seconds that they're doing some some crazy thing chopsy thing and mm-hmm. you're like that doesn't really apply and and in many of these gig situations or these live situations or whatever but I'm I kind of go back and forth with that because um, I mean, I'm not a chopsy player, so no, I can't really here, speak yeah. from that from this <laughs> perspective. But I know that I've I've gone to see artists, and then there's the times when the drummer finds a very tasteful place to showcase something that kind of uh, elevates the show. Totally, yeah. From the drummer's perspective, and mm. and connects with the audience, and it's entertaining. And hello, that's what we're doing, right? So, I mean, because we're always talking about uh, he overplays or it was distracting or that will never work, you know, when you're working with, uh, you know, you're, you're there to play a supporting role. But, you know, playing devil's advocate, you know, it's like, what about the times when the drummer just needs to go? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's very cool to know musically when to pick your moments. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a fan of... Well, I mean, like, not a complete fan of, you know, I mean, like, you know, like, if you go see, like, well, like, any pop act right now that kind of has, like, a gospel band, you know, quote-unquote playing behind them, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, cool, like, every single, you know, last chorus or outro, like, the drummer's just going off, and, mm-hmm. you know, like, after about the, you know, third or fourth song, I'm just like, okay, I'm kind of worn out about that, mm-hmm. but, and, like, I think of that my favorite moments are whenever you go to a show, and, you know, like, the drummer's just in there, like, in the groove, like, for half the show, and then, like, they have like maybe like two beats or like a bar Mm -hmm. during one song Mm -hmm. that it's kind of like their moment to be like, okay, cool. You know, this is it. And then, and then like they go back into the song like regularly. Yeah. Like if you can help support that musical moment, but like also show like, oh, hey, you know, like this guy can play a little bit and then kind of lay back for the rest of the show. For some reason, like those moments are more awesome for me to see. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh man, that guy just killed that measure. And you know, like everybody's just like, holy hell. That yeah. was amazing. And then yeah. he just goes back to, you know, blah, 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 right, know, playing right. like whatever that needs to be played. Right. I, like, I just personally love those moments. Like, I think they're amazing. Uh, there's no rules. There's no, you know, right. it's not like, well, this is the way it's done, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, you're right, man. But there, I, I'm kind of going back now because I think of the times, like I saw James Taylor a couple years ago and Gad was playing and he was playing so tastefully and backing up James Taylor. So it's not a flashy uh, gig from the drummer's chair, but there's an incredible amount of control and groove that's required. Yeah. But there were a couple times that the drums were showcased mm-hmm. in a part of a song or in a song. And it was a, it was a glorious moment. And of course... These players, these veterans were bringing something and showcasing something that was just, it, it will stick with me forever. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, really amazing. well, I mean, like, did you get a chance to see them? Like, whenever they came to Nashville, like, well, like a week ago or whatever? Like, wasn't I, James I missed here? Him. Missed yeah, him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed him. I was really him. bummed about that. And, you know, I mean, like, Gad's, like, obviously, I mean, should be on everybody's list of, know. you know, like, influences. <laughs> like, if you don't know who he is. Right. You know, but, yeah, yeah, like, I was bummed, like, I missed that, and I was bummed I missed the Sting show with Josh Freeze playing for that. Yeah, yeah, a friend of mine heard that, saw you know, that, and said it was great. Right, because, you know, like, I just saw, like, a bunch of stuff, you know, I mean, like, you had, like, the half-traditionalist being like, oh, I wish Vinny was playing with Sting, oh, you know, but I'm just like, 
Well, like if Sting wants freeze behind him, I think I mean Josh is absolutely amazing. Plus, yeah, if you haven't yeah. checked checked out his Instagram page, he's one of the most funniest dudes I've probably ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, but you know, hey, if if you want to be traditionalist, then Omar Akeem should be right, behind. or, or Manu Kache. Oh, I'll do. Or, or Manu's all of them. great. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. or know. Stewart for that. Matter. Right. But I mean, but really, I mean, oh, if yeah, it's going to yeah. be, I mean, come <laughs> right. on. There's no. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um. So. Uh, it's it's been slow, but but obviously a great break. But I want I want to ask about that the, the radio tour because yeah. uh, a lot of times when people are doing uh, radio tours to support uh, a new record, a new single, um, they're out by themselves, or or if it's obviously with a duo, um, they're supporting themselves, and it's a broke down situation. Yeah. So acoustic guitar, you know, just whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, so, well, well, like, has, well, has the whole concept of a radio tour been explained on here before? Um, Do you know? Maybe, but maybe not. Okay, well, I'll just, like, give a brief, sure. brief uh, description of it. So, uh, like, in the country world, you know, like, country music is very old school, just, 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 like, in the sense of certain trends or whatever. I mean, you're, like, it's kind of behind, like, a little bit, like, in terms of what is popular at the moment. You know, country music kind of chases you know popular trends at that point right right you know um so like there's this thing called a radio tour so like whenever a artist gets signed and the label releases their first single what they do before that single goes to ads for radio which means like the radio station like will add a song and like they'll play it like on that station yeah. whatever okay. uh for about what three months like an artist goes out and they pretty much play for and meet uh, like all of the major radio stations in the country. So it's like, as soon as like a single gets released, cool. Like radio uh, tour starts first week, say like you're doing like the Southeast, you know, like you'll like, well, like you'll fly down to uh, well, uh, like Orlando or something. Mm-hmm. And like, you'll spend the morning, you know, playing for each program director, you know, like, well, like musical director there. And once you get done with that station, you'll hit up the next station in town. Yeah. And like, there may be two, three, four, you know, major country stations in that town. And then as soon as you get done with Orlando, guess what? Like you're like on the plane or on the bus or in the car going to Miami and doing it like that afternoon. So it's pretty grueling. And yeah. it's just a way of these labels, you know, like introducing their new artist, you know, like you'll like either play like on air, you'll play like in a boardroom, which right. is, you know, like kind of weird. That? Oh, yeah, it's just great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, well, like especially like if you're playing Cajon, there's certain environments that you have to, you know, play with certain subtleties, you know, playing like louder, softer, depending on what environment that you're in, which is completely like another topic you could probably dive into sure, sure. whatever. But, um, uh, so yeah, so like radio tour is pretty grueling and I was lucky enough to start that with the girls. Okay. So like they did their first week of radio tour and they had a guy out who pretty much co-wrote their first album with them. So like they wrote every song on there and they had their main co-writer. Well, like they were 19 at the time. Yeah. So I think they just wanted somebody familiar to be with them on the road. Yeah. Because like they really didn't have any road experience before that. Like, I think they just like did some puckets gigs here in town or like some songwriter rounds as you know, people obviously know being in Nashville. Right. And so once he decided to like get off the road and kind of go back to songwriting, cause like he wasn't a drummer anyway, okay. you know, like I get a call on a Thursday to ask if I wanted to audition for, you know, like Maddie and Tay yeah, yeah. didn't know who they were at yeah. well, you know, well, or, or maybe I saw some sort of article that, yeah. you know, Oh, Hey, the, how did the person know to call you? Okay. So like my friend, uh, Chris Hurst, uh, he's a keyboard player in town. Uh-huh. I think he's, 
I think he's doing the Kelly Pickler gig right now or okay. whatever. But I mean, like I've known Chris pr- pretty much ever since I moved to town. Like we played uh, like on Broadway together, like done a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because we actually were getting coffee that morning at eighth and roast. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Hey man, like, have you got a call yet for like a certain audition? I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? And like, for, it was the weirdest thing. Like as soon as he called me or I mean, like told me that I got the phone call. I was like, yeah, no, six one five number. He was like, "Yeah, man, you should probably should take that." And okay. I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." <laughs> so of course I walk outside. Yeah. And he and then um, Mike Molinar, he works for a Big Machine Music, which is the publishing department of uh, Big Machine. Uh, he was like, "Yeah, you know, like we have these two girls doing a radio tour right now. Like we're looking for a like an actual drummer to do this thing. You know, mm-hmm. like do you want to come audition?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. You know, just send me the music. You know, like get five or six songs and." And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh man, like this is not just like typical 19 year old girl. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's actually like mature songwriting, you know, for like where they were at at this time. Right. And I was like, oh man, okay, this is pretty cool. So I got a call on a Thursday. He said, cool, like auditions on Saturday morning. I was like, okay, great. And like I actually had some gigs that, uh, like that's Saturday afternoon. So I was kind of like rushing in, rushing out to do this thing, go in like, in like audition and like, in I'm pretty sure it was just me and, and like, maybe like move like one other dude just playing Cajon in some dude's basement, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Like these are the songs, whatever, like, you know, met the girls mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, cool. And you know, like at this point in my Nashville career, it was kind of like, okay, cool. Like if I get it awesome, like if I don't, you know, yeah. okay, cool. You know, sure. You experienced an audition. Oh, totally. It's like, okay, you know, like it is what it is, yeah. whatever. And then like, I got a call like later that afternoon saying, oh yeah, cool. You know, like we want you. I was like, okay, yeah. great. And, um, now what were you wearing? Uh, <laughs> oh really? No, is, is this a joke? <laughs> I was probably wearing my black skinny jeans and some sort of flannel. Okay. <laughs> and I, and plus like I told them I was engaged at the time. And like, I think that was probably the main reason why they wanted me because two 19 year old girls, I was like, oh yeah, cool. Cause it was like, super weird because I think they've had some experiences just in terms of, you know, certain like radio people they meet or certain people in town, you know, like they're two blonde 19 year old girls, you know, and like they just wanted probably some band members that, you know, didn't really party too much or didn't cross that professional line. Sure. Which like in this, you know, day and age, like it's kind of weird sometimes, you know, but I was just like, and like they started like explaining the situation to me. It's like, well, like we're looking for someone that's blah, blah, blah. And then like, I like immediately stopped them. I was like, Oh, it, Hey, guess what? Sorry, but you know, I'm really not attracted to the 19 year old crowd to begin with. And yeah. two, I mean, well, I'm engaged yeah. to, I think a very, to like a very uh, beautiful woman. So right, right. you will have no problem with me. Like I'm seriously, like I have like references. You can call these people. I'm right. very professional. Like you will have zero problems. And they were just like, Oh, okay, good. Like that's what it's we want to hear. That that's an issue. Right. That, that, oh, totally. that has to be an issue. Yes. You know? But I understand it, it, it right. happens. And and like, I think they wanted just to surround them too with guys who have been on the road for a little bit, but still have that road knowledge, but don't really go overboard with a ton of like, you know, sh- showing up to a gig drunk or, you know, high or like whatever else. Right. And like, they right. just wanted like good, genuine people just to be around them and support them during a completely you know, major transition in their life, you know, going from mostly songwriting in a room. Yeah. More than just playing. It just, mm-hmm. just like general life stuff, yeah. you know? So, so of course I got a call like on that Saturday afternoon. So, okay, cool. You cool. You got the gig. I was like, okay, great. You know, like, when are we leaving? He was like, cool. Monday morning. I was like, awesome. I would, and then I was just like, Hey, can you send me the itinerary? And he was like, oh yeah, cool. You know? So, so like, this it, was a, this is the radio tour. Yes. The first thing you did with it. And it was Cajon. Yeah. Cajon. So like I did the Cajon thing for the, 
louder rooms where like I had to play extremely delicately. I used to brush with my right hand and just did a slap like with my left mm-hmm. and just did like the uh, bass tones like with my left hand as well. But for like the bigger things that we would do, like I would take a bass drum pedal and turn it around and use a shaker and use my hand as well. Okay. So it's like that whole like other musical aspect of, you know, being able to adapt to any room or any situation, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I got the gig on a Saturday. I left on a Monday morning and I was gone for three and a half weeks straight wow. on that one. And like their radio tour was, was very grueling in the sense of once somebody's song starts doing very well on radio tour. Yeah. So like your visits. So, 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 so pretty much the visits are the ones that you go and play for like the program director, like you meet all the radio station staff or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then those visits started to meld in is like what we call like radio shows. Mm-hmm. So like if you're in a town and like the country station, like is pr- promoting this like songwriter, like radio thing, it's like, cool. Like these four artists are coming to do like a songwriter, typical Nashville round, like in X town. Gotcha. Like those are like radio shows or they could be like full band stuff too. So it's like pretty much those radio visits since, since their song was doing very well, like there was no gap in between cool. We're cool. Like radio tours done. And, and then the, and then like all the radio, uh, I'm getting confused. So like all of the radio visits stop and then the radio shows start like normally like there's some sort of gap in there to be like, okay, cool. Like the song's just kind of like getting going, but it just screamed at the charts to where like the visits and the shows melded together. So pretty much from the end of July until the middle of December, I think I was talking to my wife about this the other day and I think I was only home like 15 days, Wow, 15, 20 days. So it'd be like gone for three weeks at a time, come back for one or two, like yeah. gone for another yeah, two weeks yeah. back for one. Wow. And like, that's really not that normal, you know, like normally well, like you have a break in there and then once the song starts doing well, yeah. like they'll put more money into it and then mm-hmm. you'll start to do yeah. all these radio shows. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like getting a gig on a Saturday, leaving on a Monday pretty much for the rest of the year. Yeah. And that was that so whole half of the year. What was your wife's reaction to this? She was very excited for me because I mean, like this is my first like quote unquote artist gig, like major label thing. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, you know, I mean, you, you know, like I was just freelancing around town, you know, just doing the weekend thing, you know, like with four or five different artists, mm-hmm. you know? And then like, I like got a couple calls for certain like auditions or whatever for like other groups, but what, uh, what for about like two or three other groups, but those fell through. And, you know, like I was kind of bummed because, you know, because I was just kind of like, man, dude, I mean, like, I just want to just get to that next level just in terms of like goals that I have, Yeah, you know? And then like the other, you know, like gigs that fell through, they were mostly saying, well, like we just want somebody with some sort of like major label experience. And I'm just like, okay, well, that's cool. I mean, like, I know I can do this, Yeah, but how do you get experience without somebody taking a chance on you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was fortunate enough, like those things didn't work out. And like, I'm a true believer of, you know, like if you kind of just like, just work your ass off, just keep going, just be a nice person, you know, like things will work out and things happen for a reason, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a total believer of that. Like, especially with my career in town, it's like, you know, if like a couple doors close, you know, like that one door opens up and it's actually probably the best situation that you could have had. Yeah. It's unpredictable, but you just have to be prepared, adapt, um, and, and just be ready for change. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, you have a quote from, uh, you're an endorser of Gibraltar hardware. Yeah. 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 And on their mm-hmm. website, you've got a quote here. It says, never stop working at your craft and never be content with where you are, with where you are at musically and professionally. Yeah. 
Yeah. So was that just off the top of your head? They said, we need a quote from you. Or is that kind of, or has that been a mantra? That's kind of, yeah, like that's kind of a self mantra for me because, because like nothing really pisses me off more than like the guys who think they've made it and then like they just can let their like, uh, like musicality drumming and just like whatever else just Mm -hmm. like kind of get shoved to the side and kind Mm -hmm. of decline. You know what I mean? Like it just, just, you know, well, like the guys who can have so much more, uh, like in their career, like if they would just keep going the extra mile, like, you know, just pretty much keep going. And yeah, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Like I'm scatterbrained because I just, it, well, like it is like one thing that like really does make me angry. Just like the people who have something and they're just like, cool, I'm done. I don't have to do anything else. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, the only people that's that cool, I've met, but the only people that I've met who who have been content with where they're at and and maybe will kind of ride out the situation until it's done and then move on, right? Are just kind of like it's time for something new in my life. That I take exception to, but it, like if if you are uh, if this is who you are, this a lot of us. This is who we are. We're musicians. Um, there was a calling uh, for us to 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 do this to. Live. Totally. this way to make this our life um it's a lifelong pursuit right you know oh yeah and yeah i mean you like just like just just pretty much like always keep going don't ever be happy with where you're at you know well i mean you like you can be happy to a certain extent but i don't know I mean, like i just find it that you'll be more fulfilled if you just kind of you know t- you know take time to celebrate certain victories yeah yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, right, right. But kind of push that to, to the side and keep moving on. You sure, know? sure. I mean, I'm, I mean, like, I'm a big believer of setting goals for yourself. Yeah. You know, and I mean, like, not like necessarily being like, oh, well, like, it's a dream of mine to do this. You know, I mean, like, I don't like necessarily like that phrase either mm-hmm. of like, oh, I'm just trying to live my dream. I'm like, <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. You know, I mean, like, you're just trying to, you know, be a, like a working drummer or like if you want to you know, make half your income playing drums and work a day job. Great. You know, yeah. like, or if you want to headline Madison square garden one day, that's, you know, that's awesome. But yeah. like instead of dreaming, like just set some goals, just make this your career. Right. You know, I mean, like just make that decision in your mind, be like, cool, like I'm going to do this. Right. Right. You know? And, and like, I think that's where a lot of people kind of get lost in the shuffle or maybe if they move to LA or Nashville and like, they kind of had that, uh, just like outlook. It's like, yeah. no, like if you just, have goals, you know, like have it. Well, I have like aspirations. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, like dream is just a word that, you know, well, like a dream in my mind is something that's just like unattainable, you know? Yeah, it, it is. And I think it's, I think it's important to kind of have a healthy perspective on what makes a good life. Totally. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you've, you've kind of focused on that. Obviously you're, you're like, I've not that this is for everybody, but I mean, for you, starting a family or getting right. married and having you know having investing in relationships mm-hmm. oh. I, th- I think that is a that is a, a thing that i think everybody uh would benefit from is not necessarily being married or having families but investing in relationships investing in friendships is important uh because uh when it comes to business sometimes the the line gets very blurry mm-hmm. uh, when you're working with people um, there's a couple people that I've worked with that uh, have complained to me later in their life that uh, their only friends that they ever had were people that they paid, and, and like yeah. the, the, so, and 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 I think what they mean is, well, quite literally, the people that they paid. But oftentimes, <laughs> we're friends with people uh, with, with with those that we work with. 
yeah. you know, in band situations or, or at work in different work situations or whatever. Um, so we're kind of in business with them. It's like your school friends. You know, you're, there's this proximity that creates friendship, and oftentimes it is business. But those just tr- honest friendships and relationships, those, those have intrinsic value mm-hmm. that it will always be there um, when – the business changes or right. business goes away. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so like, I'm not really the type of person that really kind of goes out and hits the pavement really hard about like networking or trying to get gigs and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. you know, like when I first moved to town, like I seriously moved to town and I only knew two people and those two people like graduated from the same uh, like university that, uh, like that I went to as well. Mm-hmm. And they were just doing like their internships in town for different labels or whatever. And, yeah. Like I seriously moved to town and knew not a single person. Yeah, you know, and you know, like there's some people like who would move to town and just be like, "All right, cool, I'm just gonna go conquer the town. Let's go, blah blah blah." Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm mean, like, that's just not my personality. I mean, that's not me. I mean, like I think like well, like I'm a very outgoing person, but like deep down, like I'm kind of like a recluse. Like I'm kind of shy. I'm just yeah, kind of like okay, whatever, you know. So it's like. So pretty much for my first like year or two in town, you know, you know, like I would go out, but like I just hardly would talk to anybody about music, hmm. you know, because I just wanted to make well, actually friends I want, well, I could hang out with in town, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, like once you get past that, you know, like surface level, you know, like just like general talk about no oh, Nashville music drums, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and like actually get to know people for like who they are, yes, you know. I think that's extremely valuable. So yeah, like whenever I moved to town, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, my first two years were just like, not really like hustling around. I mean, you like, I started to play some gigs and stuff, but it was more of just, you know, kind of like a, just like a marathon pace, you know, in town, just starting like relationships, building friendships Yeah, yeah. because you invest in that more than, you know, mm-hmm. just like, Oh, cool. Yeah. I want to play this game. Well, you know, just kind of being like, you know, being like in, in, in like everybody's face. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, like we know, but like, what's right. going to separate you from pretty much everybody else in town. Right. Oh yeah. Your genuine connection with people. So where do you go to find a treasure trove of information about vintage drums, custom drums, and legendary drummers? Not so modern drummer.com. Since 1988, Not So Modern Drummer is an institution dedicated to researching and documenting the history of modern drums, the art of drum building, and the legendary drummers who play them. The writers and contributors are some of the top vintage and custom drum experts from around the world. Not So Modern Drummer serves as an online gathering place and marketplace for the worldwide community of drummers who buy and sell, collect, preserve, and play these instruments. It also hosts drum-related events that are attended by drummers from all over the world. This website is easy and fun to explore, and the monthly digital magazine subscription is free. So check out NotSoModernDrummer.com. I finished a film called The 41st Day. Mm -hmm. Uh, A friend of mine that I've known since middle school, uh, Tim Jeffries, he lives up in New York City. And for about the past five years, he's followed around the guy who holds the uh, fastest uh, marathon time for an American ever. Wow. It's it's like two minutes and or two uh, two minutes. I wish I can run a marathon in two <laughs> minutes. Uh, two two hours and gosh, five minutes or something. Two okay. hours and wow six or yeah. something like that or whatever. It's insane. So he so like he pretty much followed this guy around for about five years, and I get a call out. Well, like just pretty much out of the blue one day, he's like, "Hey man, you know, like what are you up to?" I'm just like, oh, just hanging out." And uh, yeah, like he just asked me to score the whole film, and like that was my first like undertaking of cool. This like a ninety minute 
full-length documentary. Well, what 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 was it about? What did what do you do that he made made you think? Or made him think? Uh, I'm going to call Kyle to to do this. Oh, yeah. uh, your experience with other instruments, other, you know, uh, yeah. we haven't really gone into the, into your background right. here, so maybe we should start there. But uh, yeah, well, 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 like I think Tim. I mean, like, probably, probably in all honesty, he was just like, oh, Kyle's my only uh, just music friend. Oh, yeah, let's get him to do it or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, but you know, well, like me and Tim, like playing a band together in middle school and high school, just like your typical, you know, BS, you know, high school, whatever, just to have fun. Sure. You know, but um, so, yeah. And, you know, we like also play some piano, guitar and bass as well. Mm-hmm. And we actually worked together on. So for like the same runner that the documentary is about. Uh, prior to the 2012 Olympics, he was doing like these promo things for a Nissan and mm-hmm. uh, Tim shot some footage for that and like it ended up being used for some sort of like Nissan, uh, like endurance something okay. like or another. Well, I think some sort of web series and like also did like did the music for that too. Okay. And the people at Nissan like really enjoyed that. Nice. So once this full length documentary came up and you know, like, I think he's just, I guess still wanted to use me for that. Yeah. So that whole thing was pretty much, I mean, like I played everything myself on it. So it's mostly piano and string quartet based. Okay. So, and like with all the advances in, you know, like logic pro tools mm-hmm. and like all these plugins and stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean like there's no live players on it, but you know, like you get the typical like LA scoring strings or like addictive keys, mm-hmm. plugins and stuff and patches. Yeah. And you know, like I kind of just went to town on that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and then that premiered in Columbia, South Carolina this past April for a big film festival down there. Wow. And that opened up that night and, and I was just, that was probably like a nervous wreck because that was like one of the first times I've actually kind of felt vulnerable huh. just in terms of something that I've created yeah. or something. Yeah. And it was just really weird. I mean, like you can play in front of like 20,000 people. It's fine, but right. You know, you get like a hundred people in a room to see this film and you're not performing and I'm just, not performing. And people right. like are listening to what I've created, Yeah, which most yeah. of the time, like we're performing things on a stage that like others have created. Yeah. You know? Right. 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 And it's weird to finally be like, cool. Yeah, this is me. It's like, cool. If they think it's absolutely terrible, then well, I played everything on it. So I don't want to feel like I'm a, a terrible composer or right. <laughs> whatever else, you know, but, but, but do you see this as a skill set you're going to continue to work on? And oh, totally. Yeah. It? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, like pretty much, I mean like ever since I, you know, could remember, like, I've always been drawn to, like, scores and films, scores and TV shows or whatever, mm-hmm. which, you know, like, most most of the time, like, certain TV shows, like, it's just more, like, sound effects or whatever else anyway, but, you know, I mean, just pretty much, like, every single movie I pretty much ever watch, you know, I mean, like, still, like, up to this point, I just always key on the music first, which, yeah. like, which I'm sure that we all do, yeah. you know, but, yeah. you know, like, f- film scoring was something for me that, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, I mean, like, it was a just, like, a goal, like, of mine to actually score entire film or documentary or whatever and i was lucky enough to have my friend tim ask was this to the do first it. one you did oh yeah okay so first like full length feature thing you know, well like i've done like other small like cues or like small like little five minute things but uh-huh. it's like you know just like the daunting task of you know probably like out of the 90 minutes that that the film runs for i think i did 55 minutes worth of music or okay. 60 minutes okay and, and you well of course like you think that 
you know, oh man, it's only like an hour's worth of music. Yeah, you know, like it freaking takes a long time. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, especially like if you're not in the same room, which is obviously like how certain tracking's done these days, you know, like especially if you have, well, like especially if you have a studio that you're, you know, flying parts out to different producers and stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm sure that we've all, you know, like mm-hmm. done that. But it's like, especially for a film that is, man, it's just a complete somewhat of a nightmare i guess because like i would well just like in hindsight like i wish that we all could have sat down in a room like with the director and the rs i was gonna say what was the workflow what was i mean like did they just give you bits and pieces did they give you film with time code yeah so like time code in it and for the most part like i think most of the scenes were uh well so it's called like locked in so like that means there's gonna be like no edits to it like it's done okay so so like obviously like well like music's the last thing that goes into it because if they add one extra second or like one millisecond into a certain scene that completely throws all of your uh, music off like especially like if there's like quick cuts and you have different like you know hits and accents and certain things or like whatever else if they take one second i'd be like oh cool like this seems like these just needs to be one second shorter half a second and then so of course like if if tim would make a cut like that like luckily i did everything myself and like i did everything inside pro tools and logic to where like everything was midi so i could like easily edit it you know but like if i actually did live players and like i did like hire a bunch of friends out like a pianist and a string quartet to actually record all this it just would have been a complete nightmare yeah the editing would have been more complicated right so pretty much like the workflow was you know like every time like they would get a scene done he would send it to me yeah and like they would have some sort of temp music in it which is you know like what you know kind of like the mood he's feeling you know well like they may throw in some you know childish gambino song and i would have to kind of you know cop a beat from that Mm -hmm. or if it's you know um some sort of like you know classical thing you know uh, like a steve reich like kind of a like like minimalistic vibe Mm -hmm. like he would kind of throw that in and then like that would kind of be my guideline Mm -hmm. of okay cool like this is like what i kind of wanted to sound like but don't rip it off too much like obviously you know that's my understanding is that they would send you the clips they would send you the video with time code and then they would send you a um an example of what they're looking for using licensed music whatever that's not obviously going to be in the film but like hey this i want to give you an idea of what we're looking for Uh, totally and then you know and then like there would be some things that i did that like obviously you know like our director and 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 people and people on the team loved but then of course like there'd be some things like oh no this is completely wrong yeah and like i appreciate (laughs) that (laughs) he's getting murdered (laughs) right (laughs) it's like oh what's going on here (laughs) you know but i mean like i appreciate that honesty too i mean you know i mean like i work better especially i mean like if somebody just is completely upfront with me being like no like this is not what i want i'm like cool 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 then like what do you want sure or like what do you need it's like well like more like this okay you're right so it's like for 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 pretty much each scene like well like we would go back and forth like maybe five or six times on each one oh wow yeah Okay. And I think I finished the whole thing in probably about four or five months. So pretty much like the beginning of our year when like we, you know, probably did like a handful full of gigs each month or whatever. Like I would just be at home downstairs in my quote unquote studio. Well, like I feel call it weird calling it studio. It's I know just, what you mean. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, bro, like down the studio. I'm like, eh. like I have a split level house. Like my stuff lives on one side. Like I have a treat one at whatever. But you know, I mean, like I'd be down there for about four or five months getting that done. Mm-hmm. And then I think we wrapped it about two weeks before it premiered. Mm-hmm. And I also did all the mixing and mastering of it as well because, oh, wow. you know, well, like budgets were tied on it. You know, well, like obviously, 
Yeah. And plus, you know, like, plus, like, it was kind of a foot in the door for me. Yeah. To that whole area of, you know, do, of, of like documentary film scoring. Yeah. So, like, I kind of treated it as, all right, cool. I mean, like, I may not be getting, you know, paid like as much as I want to do this, but for me, it's, it's yeah. content I can use for something else. Yeah, for sure. You know, which is yeah. great. So, no, I, I think that there, there's always a balance that needs to be, uh, you're always walking this line between how do I get experience and, you know, you don't want to undercut your peers. Oh, right. You know, and you don't want to devalue your talents or the work that you put into this. Um, but we need experience and it's hard to compete with those with experience. Uh, lots of experience uh, so we have to find ways to do that but um, but again without kind of devaluing right. everyone else's talent but uh, those there are opportunities for that there are recordings there are band situations there are situations like this that yeah, totally. you know here's here's a, a low budget here, here's a film that it has to work within a budget mm-hmm. so this will hopefully be a stepping stone, you know, for, for this or that. I mean, that's great. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds and, like a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of work, but Oh yeah, fun. totally. And, and I mean, like that is definitely something that, you know, if my road career like ever kind of winds down, mm-hmm. you know, which I mean, like it does for everybody. Like it just, you yeah, know, like, so of, well, I mean, well, well like, for 90, for Gad, like, I guess it doesn't really for wind 99%, down. 99%. Of, I mean, gosh, right. look at the, the number of musicians that are out there. Then the number of people that are, that are, that are doing it, that are out touring or making a living touring. Yeah. It's a very, very, very small percentage that can rely on that, you know. Oh, oh totally. You know, and you know, like if I can, well, so of course, like if somebody like sees this documentary get played like in the future and then like, and like that kind of snowballs and to do and to do like another one, that would be absolutely amazing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like I'm just always trying to find things that I can do once my road career is over with so I can actually support my family and, you know, like have a mm-hmm. good, comfortable life, you know? All your experiences compound too. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. that your experience as a, as a drummer and working with other musicians all played a part in composing music that has a lot to do with finding the rhythm of the scene and creating totally. things that that you know support again, you know, support what's being on mm-hmm. on screen projected there. Oh yeah. Um, are you from North Carolina? Yeah, from a town called Hickory, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, like if you're in Nashville currently, if you take 40 East, five and a half hours, you'll run into it. Okay. <laughs> it's a super boring drive. Like once you get to the mountains, it's awesome. Like going through Asheville, it's great. And then you're about like another hour away from Hickory. Yeah. 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 So like, I'm, so of course like I'm from there. Well, so of course, like I say I'm from there. Well, like I was actually born in Melbourne, Florida, okay. which is why people are probably like, yo man, you don't have a Southern accent, man. <laughs> like, well, I was born in Melbourne and like we moved when I was nine up to North Carolina. Okay. So... Um, so yeah, we moved up there and then I started taking drum lessons again. So like I took drum lessons in first grade in Florida ah. from the computer teacher at my school. <laughs> it was, it was very weird, but you know, I mean, like, you were learning like Devo and stuff like, that. oh yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, like I took lessons when I was in first grade. Um, and like, I just had a snare drum. He was very old school, just so like what, traditional what got grip. You started in first grade. I mean, like, was it, did you express interest in that? I, to be quite honest with you, like I, I don't remember a time where like I wasn't banging on stuff. Okay. And like my parents are musical as well. My parents like never did the actual 
like you know freelance musician thing Mm -hmm. but you know like my dad played b3 organ and saxophone and stuff Mm -hmm. and like and like my mom's a flutist flautist you mean they played for fun yeah totally enjoyment of music right yeah totally (laughs) so of course yeah i know it's crazy you know so it's like so i mean like i tell people like i guess i never really had a chance because it's pretty much all i've ever done Mm -hmm. so so yeah, like once I think, uh, well, well, like once my parents uh, will actually saw that, okay, well, well, like we'll just get him a snare drum and see if he keeps going, mm-hmm. you know, like once that happened and you know, like I stopped taking lessons, like I think like second or third grade. Cause you know, I just didn't want to practice, mm. which like every young kid, like who wants to sit in a room and just, you know, yeah. go over like paradiddles and stuff or whatever, <laughs> you know? Cause I was like, Oh, like, I want to go outside and play with the kids. I want to play with my friends. Yeah. They're just like, Oh no, like not until you spend an hour, blah, blah, blah. I'm right, just like, right. this sucks. I don't want to do this. I want to go play basketball or something. Yeah. But, um, but you know, but you know, I mean like whenever I stopped taking lessons, like I still like obviously air drummed and mm-hmm. played my snare drum or whatever. And then once, and then once we moved to North Carolina, that's when I like, I actually started to take everything kind of seriously, like in fifth or sixth grade, okay. uh, uh, fifth grade i think yeah okay so it's like your typical like yeah cool i called like the local you know like drum set teacher or whatever and like i got going there so okay um so you did band in school and yeah i i didn't really enjoy high school band or middle school band just because like the fact of like i think i just got bored huh because like you know like i took lessons so it's pretty much like cool first day of you know, middle school band, let's read rhythms. And I'm in the back, like, oh, I'm already on. Uh, yeah. I'm just like, uh, I, I did this like five years ago or whatever. Like yeah. this is the first grade, you know, like, I can read rhythms or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like middle school and high school band was cool, but, I, but, but like, I really didn't necessarily enjoy it, especially like when I got to high school and I mean, you're like, I appreciate the marching aspect of it. Like I kind of wish I took it more seriously, but you know, like there'd be times I would skip, you know, high school marching band practice to like go play a gig somewhere or something like on drum set and be like, like, I don't want to strap this 50 pound mm-hmm. set of quads or tenors or like whatever you want to call it, like on my back. But you, but you did get involved in, in oh, totally, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll like did that. And then once I got to college, uh, uh like I got my uh, degree in uh, music education okay. from uh, Appalachian state university and to be a music ed major there, you have, you have to do two years of college marching band. Oh, wow. Okay. And like that also translates into your uh, PE classes too, for your core stuff. Cause you know, like they actually made us do a lot of stuff over there. But, um, but yeah, so like I did the marching thing, like it was great, you know, but I, I don't know, just really wasn't a big fan of it. Now, now looking back, especially being around dudes like Russ women and Kevin Murphy and mm-hmm. like all those DCI dudes, I'm just like, Oh man, like I kind of regret not diving deeper into that or maybe trying to do that for a summer, you know? Yeah. Well, you did more than I did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like I did marching band for like in school and this was back in the day where it was like, like DCI was not even on the radar to most people. Yeah. You know, we had four bass drums, but we were all playing the same parts. Mm-hmm. And they weren't split. <laughs> right, they weren't split. Yeah, we're playing. We were playing drum set grooves. Right. You know, in in the drum section, and then I, and then I, you know, every once in a while, and that lasted two years before something else. But no, I see these players uh, with that experience and uh, their hand chops and stuff, um, and and translating and uh, transferring that to the drum set. Right. In ways that I'm like, that's glorious. Um, and, and I, I, and I think there's opportunities to go back now and, and, and try and readdress some of those things, but. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. And, and well, so like, I'm sure like in the way that 
like all those drum chord chops, like kind of help those guys out. Like I think one thing that really has helped me is the old well. So of course, I mean, like I studied classically too. So it's like playing like marimba, four mile marimba, doing timpani excerpts. You know, like I play with a couple symphonies in North Carolina too. Yeah. So it's like just like just trying to learn like nuance and like all those different techniques. Yeah. You know, like playing like a you know well like a buzz roll at you know triple P. It's like mm-hmm. like there's not a whole like well like well like not a whole like. Uh, can't talk. There's not yeah. a whole lot of people that can probably do that consistently, yeah. you know? And like that really does translate into my drum set playing, I think. Sure. Which is obviously like what I do. Like, yeah. Well, like not, well, like 99% of now and but like studying classically, like really did, you know, help me out in that sense, you know? I, I, I believe it very mm-hmm. much. So uh, one of the questions I, I had written down, I wanted to, is there, uh, is there anything you wish you had more of or worked on more when you were first learning? or developing technique. And I'm wondering if that's what we're answering. About. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. Like, well, well, just like probably, yeah. Like the whole, like, well, just like rudimental drumming, you know? Yeah. Just like in terms of, you know, being like, cool, like this is like what I do. Like I'm a pro- professional like musician. Like this is what I get paid to do what grinds my gears is like every time I go into like a, maybe like a rehearsal or a sound check or like whatever gig. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you know, like rehearsal gets done, you know, like gig goes great. What blows my mind is whenever like the artist or somebody comes up to me and says, Oh, thank you so much for learning the music. That was great. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. Thanks for learning the music. That's, that's what you pay me to do. So right. I'm going to do it. Right. But like it just blows my mind like how many people don't do that as well. That's why they say that. Exactly. That's been their experience. Which makes me think, who in the fuck have you been hiring? Like, yeah. what's going on right now? Yeah. You know? So it's like, oh, yeah. It just, it just like absolutely drives me crazy. Like yeah. whenever, you know, it's, somebody says, oh, thanks for doing that. Or, oh, like you're too young to play. And it's like, yeah. it's like, what do you mean? Like, right, right, right. this is. This is what we do. This is what, well, it, it's it's what you do. It's because it's what you love. And uh, it's, it also can be the difference between you and getting the job over someone else. Oh, right. Who there's many times that it's like somebody's like, dude, you've taken the time. You, 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 you care about this gig. You've done your homework. Your attitude is good. Yeah. And so we want you over this person. And you're like, oh man, that person's a badass. Right. That person can clean me up with their whatever playing. But that's not important. That's not important. That, and for that situation wasn't important. Yeah. So, so like, so like one thing, like I always try to, just like always uh, like remember is like if I'm in some sort of like audition situation or, or like maybe like there's like a gig in town that, you know, it's kind of like the soup du jour drummer of like, well, well, like of that week, just in terms of like, okay, cool. I mean, well, like we have our guy and like they go down the list and like they like normally like rotate between four or five drummers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, so like, in, so like in those situations and certain, uh, well, like well, audition things, it's like, like I can control what only I can control in terms of like learning music, showing up with a good attitude, mm-hmm. smiling. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, there's certain other things that, um, people really don't take account for, I think. And it like, well, like it really does like you, Oh gosh. Like, I like, gosh, like my mind's going like a mile a minute. <laughs> it's like, it's like, there's reasons why like I, 
don't want to not get the gig like so like does that make any sense no i mean that that comes or yeah hold on give me a second (laughs) i mean just from a level of acceptance right yeah to be to to yeah no i understand there's a psychology behind it yeah totally and i mean like i can only control like what i can control like in that moment in terms of certain rehearsals or auditions or whatever yeah so it's like you know like half the things are just up to chance half the time as well you know, because like there may be like, oh, it's so and so like look cooler than him, like which completely sucks. Well, I mean, you know, it, it does suck, um, and th- those are unfortunately some of the realities of it. Um, there's there's ageism, there's racism, there's right. sexism, there's all these things that we have to deal with. Um, you can, yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what the I don't know if there's an answer to any of of, of that. I think. Uh, the the answer comes from within. I mean, I think you have to be confident and you have to have, be self aware. Yeah, and uh, understand your strengths and weaknesses. And but I think confidence is the key to getting through some of the shit. Oh right, totally. And knowing that um, if something, if you don't get called for this or that, uh, oftentimes there's a lot more to it that we don't understand. Exactly. You can't let it defeat you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I mean, like that was one thing that, well, well uh, like, I think like when I first moved to town, so, so I moved to Nashville in 2010 and, you know, I mean, so like you kind of moved to town and just like in my opinion, like I think it's good to kind of, you know, quote, 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 unquote, like make friends like within your class. So class in terms of age, mm-hmm. time you moved to town, whatever, mm-hmm. just so like as time goes on and people pr- progress in their career, you know, like say like your friend gets a gig mm-hmm. or whatever. If like they need a drummer, bass player, guitar player, well, like they'll probably call somebody that, you know, like they're obviously good friends with, you know, back to whole like relationship thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for some reason, like I would see certain drummers that maybe just, you know, like shit the bed on certain gigs or, or like whatever else. But like, I would just see like, they just keep getting called back again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And like young Kyle, like would be like, well, I mean, so, I mean, so, so I wouldn't say it like this on the outside, but certain times I would just think like, oh gosh, I mean, like, what are they doing that? Like I'm not doing, mm. you know? Yeah. And like, they just keep, well, like, well, like just getting these chances over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like come to find out, yeah, like there is like a lot more to it than just playing, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, like, well, like half the people I meet, I'm just like, man, like they're like the nicest guy on the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. I guess people just want to be around him. You know, yeah, you know, that's awesome. You know, but then there's the mysteri- mysterious player that gets called, and they don't bring anything to the table, but they still get called. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, what? And like, that's a drag too. But you're just like, okay, well, you put your finger on it. But again, man, it, it comes back to just <sighs> a lot of times. I believe that that's a waste of energy. Right. Um, I think it's important to concentrate on what you do create real friendships, real relationships, um, because the benefit of all that is you're going to be happier at the end of the day. Totally, yeah. uh, With yourself and who you are. And the relationships and friendships that you create are going to be real, and they're going to last a lot longer. So, like, ever since starting with Maddie and Tay, uh, like, we've been really fortunate enough to do a handful of TV things every year. Mm-hmm. You know, well, like, uh, uh, like we've done, uh, like, the CMA Awards. Like, we were lucky to do that. Well, like, I have a 
just crazy story about that. Well, I mean, like not crazy, but funny. Like, well, like for some reason, like I just always get put in these situations to where like, I'm just like an awkward person, you know, so, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure we can talk about it later or whatever, but it's like CMA awards, you know, like I've been fortunate enough to do the today show two, three times or something like that, like, cool. which is great. Um, the tonight show with the Jimmy Fallon, like that's been absolutely unreal. And like we've done a couple things for like, I think the talk or the view and Michael and Kelly when that was going on. So like okay. live with Michael and Kelly or whatever. Yeah. But well, what was this funny story? What did you, what happened? well, for, for the CMA awards. So back, uh, so what, this was 2015. Yeah. So, so two, so 2015, um, we actually got a call about two days before the awards saying, Hey, uh, uh like we actually want like the band to play on it. Mm-hmm. So for the CMA awards, like you have your typical, you know, huge headliner act. So like, so like Dirk Spanley, Jason Aldean, Miranda, whatever. And like, they'll do like the full band stuff, but going to certain commercial breaks, like they'll have kind of like the new, like up and comers from that year who may have had like a number one or two mm-hmm. sing like a verse and a chorus of some song and then like intro and throw it to something else. Oh, okay. You know, and, and like there's a small stage in the bridge zone where like they do that and like they mostly do it to like a track or whatever. So like they're singing live, but it's just like a backing track just to it's verse chorus. It's just easy or whatever. So, so of course, like two days before that, they switched it up. Like instead of the girls playing acoustic and singing live to like full a verse band. and a chorus of Grown a Country Song. Well, no, like it wasn't full band. Oh, okay. It was broken down acoustic. So it was me, our guitarist at the time, like, uh, like his name is Ben Helson. He plays for Dirk Spanley now. And uh, our fiddle player at the time, uh, Luke Muller. If anybody knows Luke, he goes by Terry Jr. Jr. We could do a whole other podcast on him. Okay. He's absolutely a riot. <laughs> So of course, like we go and we and and so of course, like we go in and and uh, we rehearse, and you know, so of course, you know, I'm mean, like I'm sitting there thinking, okay, cool, like in ears, like my pack and stuff, like I'm playing cajon, shaker, you know, like a pedal backward thing, and you know, and so of course, like they were just like, okay, cool, let's run it. And I'm like, cool, is anybody just gonna feed me a click? But you know, blah blah blah. They're just like, no, you're just gonna count it off. Mm-hmm. Just like just like in the day and age of everything always being to a click, like having certain things for TV shows. I mean, like trying to like reduce the um, uh, problems. Like if something went wrong or whatever, you know. I mean, like there's a thing that most yeah, people do yeah. called like live to track, which means you know, like you would go in like a week before or two weeks before and record your song. So technically, like it's a live band playing. Yes, but they're like, but they're like actually just like you know playing along to it, and like you have those like Remo or like Evans silent stroke heads or whatever, like yeah. you know like double tape symbols or whatever. But like the vocal like would be live, you know, or like a guitar solo like would be live. So like that's how mostly those award shows kind of work. Right. But for us, it was cool. Cajon live. live, like completely live, live. So, so of course like that happened and right before we played, well, like, I guess this is one out of the two stories of the night, uh, right before we played Blake Shelton, like did a full band thing. And then as soon as Blake got done, he was like, all right, Maddie and Tay. And so of course, you know, like, so of course, like I'm sharing a mix with Tracy Broussard, which like, I don't know if you have Tracy on the show yet. Like, have you had Tracy on? I have not. And I've asked him for two years, the son of a bitch. Tracy's great. Like, (laughs) like, I love him to death. So it's like, I've been trying to get him on for a while, but he he will be on. I'll, I'll stalk him and and get him on the show eventually. Yeah. So, so, um, so like I have my like in ear pack and Tracy has his, but to keep those segments together, like we pretty much shared a mix. So it's like, I'm hearing like what he's hearing. And then the time when, like when we play, like they'll turn on my stuff and like, we'll go. Mm-hmm. 
but it's like so like the song that they played was about five or six like eighth note clicks slower than the tempo of girl in a country song like i think it was a song called like gonna or something oh, i'm going over here well, like whatever it was yeah so of course like the whole time i mean like i had about five seconds to not train my brain to oh, go at that tempo yeah, on yeah. live tv in front of millions of people yeah so it's like i was completely nervous about this entire thing because it was just like okay cool song ends all right maddie and tay then well then like i counted off and i like kind of blacked out for a second because i was kind of like well, i hope this tempo's right <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it's like oh whatever uh turned uh, turned out to be fine but like it was just like really weird to be in that sort of a situation in terms of like live acoustic no click small stage setup like hopefully like everything kind of works out correctly yeah. and like and, and like luckily it did but like what the well like what the actual funny story was so like backstage for the actual award show day you know well like we show up like four hours early or whatever and like i see tony royster jr mm-hmm. there i'm just like what the fuck is tony royster jr doing here yeah turns out like justin timberlake brought his whole band to do the uh duet thing with uh, Chris, with like him and stapleton that year yeah right okay, so of course like so of course like i didn't know like if jt like was bringing his band or whatever so like i saw tony and like i guess brian frazier moore his regular drummer he was on tour with like madonna or, like one of the a-list people uh, man that's a dream right there <laughs> so of course like i see tony i was like okay cool so backstage like there's this thing called like a musician holding area uh, backstage like well you know well like it was well like in the bridgestone or whatever and like nobody really hangs out in there because like all the directing rooms are mostly near well, well like near the stage and like it's just like a mess of like industry people musicians like just and like i'm not great with crowds and like i hate sorry if any like industry friends hear this but i i, no, hate, I, get it. I hate being around industry people <laughs> Like more than just like the business side of it, I like I can't stand it. It's just like it's just like everybody hobnobbing, like yeah, 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 yeah. It's like oh, look, I drive a Mercedes, and I'm like oh, cool. Well, I drive a Honda Element, and then <laughs> I'm on the road with your whatever, right. you know. So it's like so me, Ben, and Luke to get away since like there was nobody in that room. Like we would just go up there and just you know kind of hang out like until our time came or whatever. It was cool. So like we went to go grab some to eat, come back, and we show up, and all of Justin Timberlake's bands in there. And it's like Tony, like Adam Blackstone, his bass player or whatever. And like, if you ever see Ben or Luke, so it's like me, Ben, who is from like outside of Bowling Green, Kentucky. Like he used to play with, you know, like Ricky Skaggs, Ron Vincent, the countryest dude ever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the funniest guy. And then Luke's a tall, lanky Australian guy who wears pink John Connolly sunglasses or whatever. And yeah, I mean, like, it's just like the most like random hodgepodge group of dudes. Yeah. And rose colored glasses rose colored glasses yeah okay. <laughs> and pretty much it's just like i mean like everywhere that we would go you know well like on the road or in town or whatever like we'd be hanging out and most people would be like oh like you guys in a band together we're just like uh why uh, like how well yeah well like why would you say that you're just like oh like just by the looks of you guys it looks like you wouldn't hang out in real life we're just like right uh, okay that's fair enough yeah well, sure <laughs> that's cool so of course like i so of course so of course i'll be going in that room see tony and stuff i'm just you know so of course like i go up like he was really nice or whatever and then like he said something and I'm just like, oh yeah, man. And then I just realized I, I couldn't understand what he was saying. And he was like, hey man, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then you know, like everybody keeps like looking at me like I'm like, an absolute idiot. And like he says it to me like another three or four times. I'm like, uh, I don't know what the hell you're saying, man. Yeah. And then from like out of nowhere, like the trombone player that was in JT's horn section just like screams, hey man, like he thinks your jacket's dope. And I'm like, okay. 
Well, I just feel like a complete asshole right now in front of Tony Royster and like all of these dudes because I don't have any idea what the hell that they're saying because I'm just saying, okay, whatever. No. So that was kind of funny. So I felt kind of embarrassed. Then. Was this and, before the performance? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, you got that going through your head. I'm just like, oh, great. Yeah. You know, you know, this is awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. So I think that was a funny story. I'm sure all my friends that are listening to this right now will be like, oh, great story, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it, man. Especially when you're trying to get. Like before you were pl- before you guys played, yeah, and you're trying to feel the song and feel the tempo. Uh, if you're not playing to a click, or if you're using a click as a count off, um, you know, I know there's 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 a lot of times people will play it and they'll stop the click halfway through or the the intro or whatever. Sometimes on a songwriter gig or whatever, or a situation where I'm not using ears or I don't have a if it's not a strip type click thing, I'll yeah. get a tempo. And then just kind of get it in my head while someone's talking on stage, or sometimes somebody starts playing something completely different, and, and you're like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. Right. I got 122 in my head. Please don't, you know. And you've got to just divorce yourself from everything just to kind of keep it, especially like if you're queued up, if you're, you know. Oh, totally. And I mean, you like it was like legit. Like, okay, cool. Uh, you have tennis like before you guys have to play. So it's so like they move us from that room to like another holding room, and then about five minutes before, okay, to another holding room, and then okay, cool. Like we're walking out. So it's like it's just like bam, 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 so quick. And before you and before you like you know it, it's over. Mm-hmm. But it's like. So like we walk onto that stage and like I couldn't take 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 my ears out to not hear it because it's blasting over the PA anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it's it like work. so of course I mean like I'm like head down like just like trying to tap the tempo and plus like I don't want my phone to be up there because like there's different camera shots like if they see my phone with the tempo you know I'm just like oh man like, yeah it was, that's interesting it was crazy I wondered about this like I wonder if you did but yeah just from a visual standpoint right now I saw I remember when um, when Keith Urban was hitting some of the clubs on Broadway a couple years ago mm-hmm. uh, I was playing at the stage and we we played for a few minutes over until they got there so Chris ran up and played all my stuff it was yeah. really it was, it was just great uh and uh he had an iphone in his back pocket and a couple earbuds running into it and and i you know there was no in-ear mix you're just yeah it's one of those they all ran, ran up on stage in three different clubs and played two or three songs together mm-hmm. so i'm like well that's interesting you know because there's 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 run and gunning type gigs where you just go up there and you're you're you know it's like there's no sound check there's just Right. I've got something like that coming up this Saturday where it's like a half an hour at the stadium. Yeah. And and I'm like, well, I wonder what that's going to, you know, what's the scenario? And you just have to prepare yourself for any type of scenario. Are we going to be the first bands on that day? Does that right. mean that I get to move the snare drums, uh, move the snare drum where I want it and get, get maybe some kind of a mix? Or is there going to be absolutely no time? Or are they going to be running behind? Right. And you got to do everything. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, like I mean, an Opry thing. Right. I mean, that's what most, you know, I mean, like if people like ever come to CMA Fest or, or have ever played CMA Fest, like if you play one of those stages, that's what I like, well, I kind of like antiquated to. It's yeah. like, you know, I mean, like we have done like the, uh, the Riverfront stage the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And like you literally just like like well like literally have ten minutes to get your stuff up like if you're using tracks or not or whatever and like you only got like a certain amount of time before you just have to throw and go and just kind of deal with it. And the you bass know? player throws it on and throws guitar over his shoulder and plugs it in and and, then, and everyone's looking at you and you're just like ah 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 I gotta get my stick bag open. And- it's like stick bag snare height like certain symbols or certain toms yeah, you know yeah. because because like this past year we played after Eric Paslay and uh, like a drummer named uh, Stephen Keith was playing mm-hmm. absolutely unreal he's 
freaking amazing. But you know, like he sits super high and like I sit super low. So yeah. it was just kind of like, I was like, Oh shit. So of course, like I'm trying to like lower the seat, like lower the standard drum. And then like, finally I just had to be like, I guess I'm just going to be uncomfortable for about a half hour. So really who cares? You well, know? And, and I think that, that that's also a thing is, is after a while I, I realized that's my goal is to be like one of those players that sits down at any kid and just kills it. Right. Totally. Yeah. You know, no matter what it's tuned like, no matter what it's, what's the set. I mean, we've all seen it in different scenarios where it's just the person just doesn't really care. Right. Doesn't let that get into their head and just, and plays the way we did when we were 17 and just sat behind it. Yay, drums. Yay. Oh, oh totally. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, like, I think like, uh, just, uh, just, uh, just like the one piece of equipment on the kit that is going to make or break me is probably, is probably like the kick drum pedal, you know? Yeah. It's like a too. different feel. Yeah. It's like, cool. Like I can do it with different heights of drums, cymbals or whatever. So, it's well, just like the kick drum pedal. I, you know, I mean, like if it's, if it's like lagging or like super, like, I mean, I have no idea. Well, like if it's not kind of like in the range, I like it. I'm like, okay, this is going to be kind of weird. Do you fly your bass drum pedal when you fly, do fly days? No. No? And most people like are, so like whenever people ask me, oh, well, like what do you fly with? I'm just like, uh, stick bag and tracks rig. And they're just like, what? You don't fly? Oh, you know I mean? Like, yeah. oh, dude, like you don't fly a snare drum, a pedal, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I'm just like, No. Well, I, I got over you know? the, the cymbals and the, and the snare drum thing. Yeah. You know, it, it, if I'll fly, maybe if I know the situation, I'll fly a, a drum head or something like that. Sometimes it just takes up no space. Totally. But I haven't been flying my, I keep flying my pedal though, because it's mm-hmm. like I get particular about a pedal or something like that. But I know a lot of people don't. Yeah. So maybe that's the next step for me is to just get over the pedal thing. Yeah. I'm just, still trying to do that, but I probably should fly it sometimes, but eh. <laughs> probably too lazy. <laughs> really cool. um, all right. I got a question from a listener uh, that wrote in, and unfortunately, he, he wrote in a little, maybe about a month ago. So this is a guy, uh, his name is Ben. I don't have his last name. Caesar? This is, is this Ben no, Caesar? That's no, not Ben Caesar. Um, but he, he wrote into the, the website, and he wanted me to ask somebody uh, that I interview uh, this question. Okay. I thought it was pretty cool. So um, he writes, uh, what would it take for anybody to walk away from a gig during a rehearsal, a recording, or a show? Basically, is there a line, a situation that would make one think that as a professional, it's okay to now stand up and walk away, whatever the consequences will be? <sighs> Well, like personally, like in my opinion, for me, I think I have a really tough skin. Mm-hmm. So I think it would take a lot for me to not walk out on somebody mm-hmm. or sorry to, to like walk out on somebody. Like it would, yeah, like yeah. it would take what well, yeah, like a lot for me to walk out on somebody. Yeah. But like, I think like if I got like personally just threatened or something just like super crazy, just uh, but I mean, like even that, and like I would just want to just be the better person and be the cosmic professional mm-hmm. and just deal with it, like until after the rehearsal or or just after the session yeah. or whatever, and then go up to band leader, management, whoever it is, be like, I'm never working for you ever again. Yeah, that's you a know? tough question. It's a it tough is. question, and, and I think the scenario would have to be very specific. Yes for for someone to walk away from let's say a live show just kind of narrow it down to that yeah something's happening because i think from a rehearsal or a session if there was something that was just so awful 
like maybe somebody threatens someone's life in the situation. You know, some really weird thing that you're like, okay, I'm done. Yes. I'm out of here. You know, but like, but live, it's like in the moment, that makes it a little bit more difficult. Well, you like, you're talking about like during a show or, yeah, oh, yeah, during I a think show. So, like, so like really, not on the road, like, cool, like you're hanging out and something happens or like, if like, if like management is well, taking you he, over or something he, like that or. He, he writes, uh, walk away from a gig during rehearsal, recording, or even a show. Man. Yeah. Is there a line or a situation that makes one think that as a professional, it's okay to now stand up and walk away, whatever the consequences may be? I also think that the consequences we think, oh, no, we're not going to get called. Right. But I don't think that that plays the role because if there's something that happens, if there's a scenario that says, that's it, fuck it, I'm out of here. Yeah. That I think the people, your peers and those around you would be like, oh yeah, I did the same thing. Oh, totally. Well, like that and maybe that artist or that gig already has that perception in town to where like other people have experienced the same thing. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to come back on you. Yeah. And, you know, people will still call you because, you know, like if a, if something like that happens to just like a really genuine person that like everybody loves, you know, and like, and, and that story gets out, you know, that reputation, like of that player, like really does go a long way. Well, in terms of being like, Hey, like this is what happened to me. Don't, don't work for this person again. Like it took a lot out of me, but I still finish this thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, I think it all, well, like has to do with just like reputation in terms of like not getting called back for something from your peers, you know, I mean, you like, who cares about like the artist or management that you're working with? Like if management just completely dicks you over on something or whatever else. Right. I mean, like there is a certain of, well, so like a certain amount of shit we do have to deal with Mm -hmm. being a musician. Like it's just like any other day job. Like you have people in like nine to five cubicle jobs that you just don't like being around. You hate just the one downside of our thing is you actually have to live with them on a bus or a plane or a yeah. car. Like, right. you know, like, well, like at least you can go home after work and not see that person again until the next day. Yeah. Sometimes it's days. Right. Yeah. You know, and that can mount up, but yeah, like I can't, yeah, I mean, like unless like my life is actually threatened in some way, mm-hmm. just like a, well, like a complete attack of me personally or something like that. But yeah. I mean, like I would still probably, finish the gig just because it's that <laughs> at gunpoint yeah they're like, they're just like oh, yeah. yeah but i mean dude like, i don't know it's just it's like the the professional inside of me would never want to walk out on, on like anything but yeah. still say at the end of it yeah that's the last time i'm working with you yeah. you know sorry but yeah. you know whatever else but i don't know man that's a that's man, a tough question to answer crazy. but I, I found it interesting right um from a listener, Ben, and I didn't get Ben's last name. Uh, maybe he'll write back and, and let us know. But I, I thought that was interesting. And, and uh, I've heard stories of sessions uh, where that's been the case or, or, or rehearsals, but, it, but an actual show. Right. Well, I, mean, like, I would like to hear somebody's opinion on it who has like, you know I mean, well, so like a Ben Caesar or somebody like who kind of has that musical cloud in town as well. I mean, you're like, mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see well, like a Chris McHugh's viewpoint or something on it because I mean, like I'm still kind of scratching the surface in town. Well, like I've been in town for seven years, but like I'm still like the bottom of the totem pole, I guess, if you like want to classify me as people in town or whatever. But it's like, I mean, like I would like to hear somebody's opinion on that who has had like well, maybe huge we'll, headliner maybe amphitheater I'll, gigs. I'll ask that question again because maybe somebody, yeah. um, I haven't had that happen to me. I haven't had that scenario in front of me. Right. 
same be here. able to deal with that. Oh yeah, I mean, like, I've been lucky enough to work with like well, pretty much like ninety nine percent of the people I've played for in town. I has think, uh, like I've had a really good experience with. Like, yeah. there's only been like a handful of yeah. things. That I'm just like, yeah, I'm probably not gonna play with you ever again. Yeah. I think if it was just like if I was on if I was playing with somebody I didn't know. And they did so, and like I was hired for a gig, and 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 I learned the material, and I flew out, and I did it, and then we're on stage, and then it turns out to be like a white supremacist rally. I'd be like, okay, I'm done. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> okay. Actually, like in that sense, yeah. Well, I mean, like if it's something like I wouldn't like morally stand for, yeah, like, I would probably be. That's like, the no. only. That, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. It's like this is not going to hurt my career, but I'm getting the fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, pass. No, sorry. This is where the line's drawn. Yeah. And I didn't know I'm good. Or, or whatever. Yeah. But there have been, gosh, there's one guy I worked with that in the studio where I almost walked out, but I was just like, nope, this is good. Cause there were other people around me that, that it's like, uh, no, this is a good situation for me to how they're they're watching to see how I handle this situation in the studio, right? And that may be to my benefit. Yeah, you know, I kept a cool head while that guy was being completely nuts. Right, totally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, good for him. Um, what's the rest of your year look like? Well, um, so currently. Uh, I'm pretty much going to be gone for uh, like about like a month or five weeks. Uh, we have like really long run of festivals out West starting. Um, well, I, well, actually this coming weekend and then like we're back for a couple of days and then like we're out for about 10, I think. Okay. And then we're actually doing another headline, uh, uh like UK tour over in, oh, wow. uh, uh, so so, so like Ireland, uh, Scotland and England. Okay. So, 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 so of course like we'll be over there for about a week and then I'm like, I'm lucky enough to fly my wife out for the, for the week before that. So we're going to take a vacation That's amazing. and everything. So pretty pumped about that. And, uh, then after that, like it kind of like really slows down, you know, like just only like a handful of gigs for the rest of the year, but yeah. it gives you time to focus on other things and sure. And, uh, yeah, like, I, yeah, well, yeah, I have a couple of projects I'm kind of working on right now, which. I'm actually kind of pumped about. We'll see if it even happens. Well, me like just like ends up being something, but yeah, we'll see what happens. So well, you gotta throw as much as you can and see what sticks. Oh, totally, yeah. And you know, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. And yeah. yeah, just pumped about going to the UK yeah. again. So yeah, dude. Thanks for doing this, Matt. Thank you for having me. Sure, man. It's great. Thanks. So there you go. There's my conversation with Kyle Wilkerson. Kyle and I met uh, earlier this year when we did the recording for the 100th episode. That was the Cocksmith Roundtable. And uh, Kyle's uh, friends with those guys and, and with that group. And um, so this really funny episode. If you don't, uh, if you haven't heard that yet, it's a, it's a great episode. So um, I wanted to take some time to sit down and get to know Kyle uh, a little bit more and uh, kind of learn more about his uh, emerging career uh, here in Nashville and what he's doing to kind of juggle all those things and being newly married and working with young artists and uh, kind of what what uh, what is involved with all those things. So I appreciate him taking the time to do that. As always, uh, my thanks goes to Mike Jackson for his assistance and uh, all things technical. And stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview. And uh, again, uh, patreon.com slash working drummer is a way that you can participate. We have some people involved in that now. 
And uh, we have t-shirts for sale. One of the supporters of our podcast through Patreon is a drummer named Matt Middleton. You can find out about Matt at mattmiddleton.net. Um, at his uh, donation point, um, if you will, we uh, do a feature on, on you. And Matt is one of those guys. So here's a great example if you participate in Patreon how we can um, help showcase some of what you do. And in this situation, uh, here's some information about Matt Middleton. He was born and raised in Los Angeles, um, did really well throughout school, and after graduation, he attended the Armed Forces School of Music and served four years as a member of the prestigious 434th U.S. Army Uh, U.S. Army Band. After his discharge in 1995, Matt moved to Akron, Ohio, and set about the business of paying his dues in original bands, clubs, wedding bands, theaters, demo sessions, and endless one-nighters. This was also the period when he began his career as a teacher, both privately and as an adjunct faculty member for the Tuscarawas Valley School District, where his students and ensembles are consistently awarded the highest honors at the district and state level. In 2012 and 2013, Matt recorded a series of online drum lessons for the music education website, yourmusicmuse.com. To this date, his lessons on the YMM YouTube page have been viewed more than 250,000 times. Over the years, Matt has had the privilege to perform and record with artists like Walt Wise, Brian Humbert, Tracy Thomas, Kate Tucker, and Benjamin Payne, to name a few. He is a former staff writer for Not So Modern Drummer magazine, where he specializes in new product reviews. Matt can be seen 50-plus days a year throughout the eastern United States, backing popular acts like Captain Fantastic, 52nd Straight, Broken Road, TJ McDonald, and the Blue Water Kings Band. So there's some information about Matt, who's participated with us on Patreon, and if you want to check out him, go to mattmiddleton.net. Once again, I appreciate, we all appreciate Matt and his participation uh, with Patreon and helping to support this podcast. Appreciate y'all listening, and we hope to see you around. Bye-bye.